So at least twice each year, we have the gospel account of the transfiguration. The liturgical feast, the theological celebration, is on August the 6th. But each year on the second Sunday of Lent, the gospel presents to us the, the account of this transfiguration. And it's good to know in the context of the gospel where this takes place. Just before this, Jesus had told his friends that he was going to be crucified, that he would suffer, that he would die, but that he would raise. He'd be raised on the third day. And so the spiritual masters tell us that this episode of the transfiguration was given to Peter, James, and John as an encouragement so that the the scandal of the cross wouldn't deter them or discourage them. But they got the glimpse of the beatific vision. They got to see the reality of heaven as an encouragement to continue to follow Jesus to the cross and not give up. And so maybe we can look at that reality as to why Mother Church invites us to reflect on this great mystery. That we're now 10 or 12 days into this great season of Lent. And I know that we all gave up such amazing things and we set the bar for our lives, for our our Lent so high that we've probably already failed multiple times and have had to go to confession because we've given up on what we were supposed to give up. Or maybe not. Maybe we give up chocolate again and it's just another season because that's what I always do. And I'm not really looking to purify my heart and my attachment to sin. Maybe I'm okay with the way life is and this is just a good time to get in shape. Or I've got some, a couple of bad habits I'm trying to kick. But I'm not really entering into that crucible. Into this period of intense purification. So that I can follow Jesus to the cross and not give up when life gets hard. Because I know what's waiting for me is glory. And this is why Mother Church invites us in this season of Lent. To come to face. Face to face with the discouragement, with the anxieties, with the sin, with all the junk in our lives so we can be purified, so that we can see him in his glory. That's what we prayed for in the opening prayer, that with hearts made pure, we will see his glory. We know Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, it's the pure of heart, who will see God. And so Mother Church invites us on this journey of purification. We can recall what Joel told us on Ash Wednesday, this invitation to return to the Lord with our whole heart, not just part of the heart, but our entire life returned to the Lord. And we heard the invitation last week from the beginning of Mark's gospel to repent and to believe in the gospel to repent means to turn around, to no longer former, to, fall, to follow the former way of life, but to reject the lies of this world and a life of sin and begin to follow Jesus and to believe in the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, 
that he has come to save you from your sins and that you no longer need to live in slavery to yourself and to the attachments of this world because that's the gospel. The gospel is that God loves you, that he has a plan, an amazing plan for your life. That if you listen to him and obey him and follow his will, then you will be happy. You will enjoy the beatific vision. But we know also part of that gospel story is sin. And it's not fun to hear about it. It's not fun to preach about it. But it's a reality. And it's a reality that we all must face. To hear again and again the call to repent. To realize that I am not where I'm, I'm supposed to be. That sometimes I willfully and maybe even joyfully choose against God and his will and his plan for my life. Peter, James, and John were given this amazing vision to see Jesus in his glory. And what was their response? What would Peter say? Lord, it's good that we are here. He wanted to build a tent. He wanted to stay there. He wanted to enshrine that moment. He didn't want to leave. Have you ever had that encounter with the Lord? Have you ever come face to face with his glory and realized it was good to be there? Have you ever been so close to the Lord and felt his mercy and his love that you didn't want to leave? This is what's offered to each one of us. This radical encounter with the love and the mercy of our merciful and loving Father who designed you, who created you to be in communion with him, to not be attached to this world, to not be enslaved to your passions and to the sinful choices, to not give in to the corruption, not to give in to the anxieties and the worries of this world, but to radically surrender, to listen to him, to obey him, not because we don't want to get in trouble, not because we don't want to go to hell, but because we know it's good to be with him. This is the goal of the Christian life. But we know we can't do it on our own. We know that we need God to help us along. The great spiritual writers, the masters of our faith, over the last 2,000 years have written copious amounts about this journey of salvation. And the common way it's described is through the three stages of the interior life, the three ages of the spiritual life. Many saints have their own version of it. It's not a you must follow this recipe kind of thing, but it speaks to the reality of the journey of the soul from completely turned away from God to complete union. And so they speak of three stages, the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive. Purgation, being freed from sin, being illumined, 
having the light, the mind of Christ, and then union, being with. This is the goal of the Christian life. If it's any consolation, those same spiritual writers tell us that most of us live in the purgative stage. Occasionally we'll get a glimpse of the illuminative, and is, or, yeah, the illuminative, and very rarely do we get to the unitive. The great saints that we read about lived in that unitive state. A complete and total radical surrender. But most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, still live in the prison of self. We focus on our self-esteem. We try to live our best life now so that we can become the best version of myself. It's all about me. Even my spiritual practices are all about me and what I'm benefiting and what God's doing for me. I'm the focus of my life. By God's grace, perhaps we can stop sinning mortally. We can stop the complete rejection of God in our life. But we still enjoy being tickled in our senses. We still enjoy the pleasures of this world. We still enjoy sin in some way. But we realize that we shouldn't. And this is the beginning of that conversion into the purgative stage. That we realize that we need help. That we need to avoid the near occasion of sin. That we need to begin to practice the virtues. That we need to listen to God and read the Bible. We need to pray consistently each day. We know that we need this and we can begin to do this and we can begin to see glimpse of glory. We can see the benefit of living virtuously. That we don't have to give in to to the senses. That just because I'm hungry doesn't mean I need to eat. Just because I'm bored doesn't mean I need to scroll. But I can rise above this desire for immediate gratification. That I can embrace the cross. Because most of us run from the cross. Most of us have built lives that are very comfortable and convenient. And we think it's a good thing. It's what we're supposed to do. Have everything on my watch. Everything at a fingertip. There should be no waiting. No inconvenience whatsoever. I should get what I want, when I want, how I want it, why I want it. We're all four-year-olds. And our culture wants us to stay that way with its extended adolescence forever. Our culture does not want us to grow up, does not want us to mature into healthy, holy adults. The commercial capitalist market needs us dependent on our senses so that we can go buy the next best thing. We're enslaved to this world. Mother Church invites us in Lent to be purged from that. And then once we begin to live that life of letting go of myself and letting go of the world, I can be attached more and more to Jesus. And then the light bulb goes off. I'm illuminated. I can start to see things as God sees them so that I can love things and love people the way that God does. That the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding are infused into me by God's grace. And I surrender to him.
and I begin to live a virtuous, glorified life. There may be occasional relapses into sin for which I go to confession. There may be some still struggles with things, but I'm on the journey. I understand what is good, what is true, and what is beautiful, and I desire it because it is. I'm no longer afraid of the fires of hell, but I'm still in some way motivated by this is good, it feels good, it's the right thing. I'm not yet completely surrendered of self into the arms of the Father, but that's the goal. That communion with the Father is where our lives should be headed. And so what we're doing this Lent, our prayer, our fasting, our almsgiving, our voluntary penances, our joyful mortifications, they're all to help me be more in communion with the Father. Each time we come to Holy Mass, we begin with the Confidior with this desire to be purged from our sin. And then we listen to the readings and hopefully a good homily so that we are illumined into the mind of God to set us on course to be in communion with him through the Holy Eucharist. We have this experience each time we come to Mass. Those of you who are married, I'm sure you've had that experience where you want it just to be with your spouse. You didn't need anything else. You were content in their company. That's a tiny glimpse of what God has ready and is willing to give each one of us, that we can enjoy his company, that we can live in union with him. The union that Adam and Eve had in the garden, the union that's waiting for us in heaven but not just in heaven. It's available for you today. The deacon and the servers and I, we climbed this mountain. And in just a few moments, as I consecrate the Eucharist, and I hold him up, and I invite you to stare at him, to look at him. You can have your transfiguration moment. You can look at God, not in his dignified glory, but in his Eucharistic reality. Do you desire to see him today? Are you still enslaved to your senses? Are you still dominated by the things of this world? Do you desire to be with him forever? Maybe you can ask St. Peter to pray for you so that the day will come as you encounter the Holy Eucharist. Like Peter, you can say, Lord, It is good that we are here. Can we stay forever? Amen.